Welcome to our almost weekly podcast, three-minute therapy podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein. I'm a clinical psychologist, REBT therapist, and I'm here with my partner, Kevin Benbow, an REBT therapist in Yuma, Arizona, and REBT could use some explaining. REBT stands for Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. It was the first cognitive behavior therapy and it was devised by Albert Ellis, who dramatically changed the course of therapy. And uh, it's based on the idea that our emotions don't come from situations as most therapists suppose, but rather our emotions come from our thinking. And that's a very powerful concept because if your thinking causes your emotions and if you don't like your emotions, you're you're anxious, depressed, angry, you can change your thinking. You can go to the root of it and make changes. And that's what Kevin and I teach, how to identify unrealistic, unhelpful, maladaptive thinking, irrational thinking, and show our clients how to change it. Uh, today we'll be discussing the dichotomy of control, the stoic idea, and the serenity prayer. In introduction, Kevin, did you want to uh, put in a few words? Yeah, uh, as uh, Michael said, my name is Kevin Benbo. I'm located in uh, Yuma, Arizona. I provide uh, exclusively uh, telehealth services. Uh, I uh, work, I'm available on MD Live, the Amwell platforms, and Teladoc, in addition to uh, private practice, licensed in Arizona and New Mexico. Okay, good introduction. And I'll add to that, I'm in private. Uh, about myself, I'm in private practice, and I do just about all my sessions remotely, phone, Zoom, Skype, FaceTime. So if you have any questions about um, having me as your therapist, you can go to 3minutetherapy.com, and three is the word spelled out, 3minutetherapy.com, and it gives you information for contacting me. But I can vouch for Kevin. Kevin also is an excellent therapist. So you might want to have a session with me one day and then Kevin the next day, and then you'll be more rational than everyone else around. (laughs) Okay, today we're going to be discussing the uh, stoic idea of the dichotomy of control and uh, the serenity prayer. So the... The uh, Stoic idea is that there are things within your control and things without of, not in your control. So you might, you'd be better off ignoring things out of your control. And I imagine just accepting that it's out of your control and then trying to change things within your control. And uh, Epictetus says that some of the things Within your control are your opinions, your goals, your desires, your actions, your reaction to events. In other words, you are thinking. And uh, then the idea of things not within your power are the 
outcome of an event, your health, your wealth, your reputation, and the past. Uh, now, the serenity prayer pretty much says, uh, just comes from Reinhold Niebuhr, a, uh, a theologian. And that pretty much says, um, uh, give us the courage to change what must be altered, serenity to accept what cannot be helped, and the insight to know one from the other. So I think they overlap to a great extent. I think that um, one, of the, one of the things that are missed in all this is in between control and not in control is influence. We can influence certain things. Uh, for example, we can influence other people's opinions of us even though we can't control it. So if I want someone to think well of me, I treat them nicely, give them positive feedback, and that will influence them, although they'll still uh, treat me and think of me however they decide, but this could be an influence. Uh, Kevin, did you want to say more about all this? Yeah, I like the inclusion of the idea of influencing. We can. Uh, I work with a lot of people who readily acknowledge they have no uh, complete control over how their spouse acts. Uh, that seems to be a big one that comes up for me in session. But we can be nice to them. We can treat them well in hopes of influencing how they, uh, how they behave toward us. No guarantees. Uh, we may not, uh, it may not. They may still continue to treat us uh, terribly, but uh, we can certainly uh, try. I think uh, a proverb, maybe it's a proverb. It's, it's kind of an old joke I heard a long time ago, but somebody said, I feel better now that I've given up hope. And of course, they're talking about that false hope, <clears throat> pardon me, that people have. Hope when things can't change. For example, if I am terminally ill or I have an incurable disease, if I continue to hope that I'm going to overcome my terminal illness or I continue to hope that my incurable disease will go away, I'm probably going to make myself miserable at some point. Better just to accept these things and go on with the time that we have. I'd like to uh, push back on that, Kevin. Uh, my wife was an who died of lung cancer, unfortunately. She was an example of someone who had great hope, great optimism about things. And in the, even in the last week of her life, when she knew she was dying, or maybe she didn't believe it, she probably didn't because she thought there was still hope that uh, she was more upbeat. So even if you have hope for things that are not going to change, uh, I think that could improve your life. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And like every, everything else I tend to say, it's not a one size fits all. Hoping for the impossible I can see where it could create some optimism. Uh, I also see where it could create some frustration, especially if the person is continually being frustrated. Uh, the example that keeps hitting me in the face in my uh, clinical work are people who are being continually abused uh, uh, verbally 
by their uh, spouse. They hope their spouse will treat them better. And then they don't. And then they turn around and hope again, their spouse will treat them better. And then they don't. And so they, they set themselves up for ongoing misery. Uh, well, they're only miserable if they have a must, if they add a must to the hope. I hope my spouse will treat me better and he or she absolutely must. Yes. So again, I think uh, hope could be a positive factor in people's lives, even for, for unrealistic. Just don't add the demand, the must or should. And the demand means whatever, whatever I think I prefer to happen absolutely must happen. That's the demand that must happen. And if it doesn't, that's awful, terrible, and horrible, the end of the world, and I have to be miserable forever. So as, think, Albert, as Albert Ellis used to say, cherche le should, cherche le must. Look for your shoulds, look for your musts at the root of your emotional problems. I certainly agree there. The unrealistic hope, though, I really, I perhaps this is a personal thing. I try my best to take my reality straight just like mm-hmm. I drink my coffee, nothing yeah. in it. Try my best anyway. Although but part of your reality is the future and your future is probabilistic. So that's something that I don't know how you would take straight. And that is something I think you could have hope about since mm-hmm. the possibility of a good outcome might be low. I mean, the probability of a good outcome might be low, but there's a possibility. So I, I would uh, come down on the side of being optimistic, even unrealistically optimistic at times. Yeah, the thing is with, uh, for example, uh, the, the example that continues to come back to me is uh, having multiple sclerosis, uh, hoping that it will just go away is unrealistic. Uh, I will contend with a degree of pain, a degree of movement disability for the rest of my life. My, uh, the medications that I take, they help dramatically. And I'm certainly grateful for those. And they have given me hope. Had, had, if I didn't have the medications, I'd probably uh, be disabled right now, at least not able to, probably not able to walk or whatnot. But I'm talking about the, the unrealistic hope that it's just going to vanish. Now, could it just vanish? Yeah, sure. Will it? Probably not. I think it's best just to come to grips with those things. Yeah, I, I like the way you put it. Probably not. But there could be a cure around the corner. Yeah. And, then it, and then you take the pill or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then it vanishes. So... Again, <laughs> you, could, you could hope, or if that's not your style, try to just deal with the reality, as you say, the straight reality. So that makes sense. Uh, on influence versus control, another thing that is important to keep in mind, especially from us REBT therapists, is that you can influence how you think, and that's what we teach our clients, how to influence what you think. But since you're an imperfect human who acts and thinks imperfectly with an imperfect brain, you're not going to be 100% 
uh, successful in influencing your thinking or changing your thinking, normally you'll still have some anxiety, if anxiety is your problem, some depression, but greatly, greatly minimized if you work hard at it in the way that Kevin and I teach. One thing I, I'm really glad you mentioned that. I, I've learned over the years, it's really important to uh, point that out to clients right from the beginning, that you more than likely will not do this perfectly because people expect they're going to just be able to uh, banish their depression from their life completely permanently once and for all. And it's important to point out that they are human beings. They won't do this perfectly. And we can get ourselves into trouble when we say, I have to do this perfectly. I shouldn't feel depressed anymore. I had a session with Kevin. I had a session with Michael. My God, why am I still feeling depressed? And so pointing pointing out this is a learned skill that they apply, I think, is uh, at least my clients, they find it uh, helpful to be reminded of that. Yes, it's a learned skill and it takes practice. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm, right. They can make a lot of progress. And I've seen a lot of people make a lot of progress, but it's certainly not a one and done type thing. Yeah. And I'm just 99.9% rational, not 100% rational. That's a joke. I'm not not up to 99% yet, but I I have hope. I have hope. (laughs) Yeah, I I often, uh, there, I have my own days. Uh, Something will happen. And before I know it, I catch myself in that morass of my own irrational demands. And then uh, it dawns on me what's happening. And then I work to extricate myself from the hole I've dug myself into. Uh, sounds great. Uh, you're a great role model for people, <laughs> Kevin. Okay, I'd like to uh, thank you, Kevin, for joining me on our weekly podcast. I'd like to thank Chris Trasini, who is the tech engineer, provides the glue for to hold all this together. And I'm Dr. Michael R. Edelstein uh, of 3minutetherapy.com. So tune in uh, regularly to stay on the rational side of life.